0: Welcome to episode 6 of the MedTalk podcast. This week I'm joined by Lou, Fliss and Dave. Enjoy. So, shall we start? Yeah. Uh, Right, so... In the news this week for Digital Health HealthAge, uh, NHS Digital have announced plans to work with Microsoft on a new cyber defence strategy. Um, it basically boils down to Microsoft offering NHS organisations an alert-based system um, that sort of gives them information into any uh, cyber security issues, and that can go down to individual devices
1: or computers. Okay. Mm. So what do they, how do they do it currently?
2: They don't? <laughs> I guess
1: that's the no, I guess, I I guess it's all coming
0: sort of off of the back of WannaCry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, last November, they announced a £20 million cybersecurity plan, um, which essentially used hackers looking into NHS Digital, or the NHS's infrastructure. Mm. to see if anybody was targeting it.
3: Or to see the weak spots. Yeah, maybe. I think so.
0: Yeah. <coughs> um, so this one just gives them access to well more information about sort of any yeah, end devices.
2: So how does it work? So <coughs> this would It's an alert-based
0: software. software. Um,
2: prior to it attacking or at the point of attack?
0: Prior, I think so. It's, let's say um, a computer's Software was vulnerable. It didn't have antivirus. It would be able to pick that up okay. and alert them, and then they could remedy that before something serious I think they happened.
2: They would have antivirus.
0: You'd expect it yeah. to, but I mean, <clears throat> what we looked at. Well, yeah. you'd also expect them not to be using Windows XP afterwards.
2: Yeah.
0: Five, five more years I would do it.
3: it. makes me think a little bit about you know, like your bank cards. If you get mm. like some dodgy sort of things yeah. happening yeah. on that, yeah. you get a phone call from the bank or something, don't you? So maybe they'd be looking at as well if. There's a potential person trying to infiltrate somewhere. Mm. Well, I think they it will. Have an alert on I think that. it will do
0: that. There wasn't much information in the press release it sent out, um, but it does boil down to NHS being notified more about
2: mm. any
0: issue- issues we have across the system.
2: Wasn't, you know, the reason they use WhatsApp isn't that because there's something to do with that system that doesn't get attacked or so they can encrypt. WhatsApp is encrypted. Yeah, they can't so, spy on it. Why? I mean- is that technology? I don't. Surely that could be used. Well, it, it could be, this. but
0: the issue with doctors using WhatsApp is more to do with um, patient information. If it ever got leaked, or yeah. if, if ever.
2: No, I'm just talking about the technology. Yeah, the technology is, is could definitely could be used.
0: Um, but there's also the argument about why pages are still being used mm-hmm. because their signal is much stronger than Wi-Fi or four G. Yeah. That there's no technical issues with a pager, even more. The technology is 20 oh. years old. Mm. Yeah. And cumbersome. And cumbersome, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, certainly there needs to be some sort of system where doctors can securely message each other, Oof. like WhatsApp or, yeah. or something. I think um,
2: they use tin cans, don't they? Bit yeah, just a really long <laughs> bit of water. <work. laughs> um,
0: uh, Johnson & Johnson have just removed their mesh device from Australia Um, this follows the Therapeutic Goods Admi- Administration uh, setting a deadline in January for manufacturers to warn um, that their devices could cause serious harm, if there is any.
2: Okay. I was having a bit of a look at this after what we were talking mm. about this morning and so it's one in fifteen women. They say are likely to have this mesh removed mm-hmm. at some point. They've had it fitted, obviously. So <coughs> that's about six point six percent of people that have it. Yeah. Did it give the male? <coughs> no, this is number. just this is vaginal mesh.
1: Does it tell you about um, how difficult it is to remove? Because I read that it mm. is a very difficult yeah. procedure.
2: But on the flip side of that, <coughs> and I'm not you know detracted from the fact that there's some terrible cases out there. That's 14 out of 15 women who don't have to have it removed. And then if you compare that figure to a study that came out of the US, which looked at uh, people that have cardio devices, and um, they're saying that they looked at around uh, 114,000 patients over the course of two and a half years. And 6% of those required hospitalization or reoperation operation uh, to the device so that's a similar sort of figure mm-hmm. but hasn't that that doesn't had the attention yeah, yeah same attention as this I suppose but are the patients <laughs> aware
3: of those potential
2: well you're always told it's that you know there's no device that doesn't have any risk attached yeah, to it yeah. so yeah. i don't know it'd be interesting to know what what we consider to be a percentage risk that's acceptable yeah i, I suppose there's mm-hmm.
1: t- there's two things that I, there's two reasons that I can sort of think of why the vaginal mesh has been given so much more press attention um one being obviously that the cases that have gone wrong most of them I think are life changing yeah. in terms of the impact they have on um the patient mm. um and and debilitating and then the other is that perhaps because it's such a as opposed to a cardio um a a cardio procedure, device yeah. or a procedure, a vaginal mesh or a hernia mesh. That's a very common mm. everyday mm-hmm. thing, and it, it's not something you sort Supposed of, think to be of like as... Day,
3: well, it's day surgery, isn't it? Yeah, because yeah. they put it in minimally in a minimally invasive way. Yeah. But then they're saying if they have to remove them, it becomes quite an extensive operation because the, the way that the mesh work, it it, the tissue forms around the mesh, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: I've got some figures um, from Sling the Mesh, who did a survey of 570 women who've had the operation. Um, Before having the implants, over 80% of the women were not warned about any of the risks. Um, 30% have been forced to give up work. Um, Half of them, it's put strain on their relationship. 15% have lost the relationship due to it. Um, Almost 30%, the mesh has eroded into other organs. six people have a de- depression or anxiety. So for such a simple procedure, it's mm. causing the I it it people's may lives. And you have to
3: question that figure as well, depending on how many people they would, because it would be an NHS procedure, I'm assuming, how many people they would actually allow to have it removed. You know, say if you're just having what they consider to be minor discomfort, well, they that's might say, the thing, well.
2: because what's the, <coughs> while well, those figures are true, mm-hmm. what's the, the other side of that if mm-hmm. they hadn't had
3: it?
0: Mm. Yeah, Implanted. but whether I've
3: you know prolapse is quite. Some know, women have had it. Women. Yeah, some women have had it, done just because of um urine, uh, you know, that they experience. Mm. But some of those issues with would that post-childbirth women it? without it wouldn't. Yes, yeah. so. <coughs> but they are. They were saying that you know there are other procedures, out there that you there could are, have yeah, instead. Yeah. So you could have like stitches and things like that, isn't it? So maybe I don't know the ins and outs of it, but I if they're not given those options... I think, think that's the key, isn't it? They've not, the not been informed, and there's yeah.
0: not enough clinical data into the devices to warrant them being safe and effective. That's why NICE have just yeah. recommended okay. them that they're only used for research purposes, because so far there's not enough data on them. And that's why you have seen a backlash by places like New Zealand and mm. Australia, or Bannerman products.
2: But yeah, lots of people do have it, and it, it they works do, but f- mm-hmm. successfully.
0: There's also the issue that it doesn't cause problems to it. So it can take 10 to 15 years until it's
1: started uh, to affect the lives. Two ties to that one. Um, But um, yeah, obviously we are covering the vaginal mesh um, scandal as it unfolds. So um, keep your eyes on Medical Plastics News particularly, which is where I think most of the coverage is been posted recently you've done a lot of reporting on it. So uh, Yeah, there's yeah. plenty on there
0: already and I imagine there's gonna be a lot more next year. Yep, yeah, for yeah. sure. Okay. Have you got anything else? Um just a little bit on Jeremy Hunt who's came into the news again for tweeting a picture of a piece of software that a hospital in Ipswich is using. Um which essentially looks like an Excel spreadsheet. Unfortunately, the picture tweeted exposed there. massive staffing gaps that the NHS <laughs> is currently facing. So, yeah, needless to say, despite his be- best intentions, he's put his foot in it. Again. 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 Well, he's, um, he'll be remembered for his gaps, I think. He, he You yeah. have to
2: sort of, well, part of me now starts to feel a little bit sorry for him. Just, yeah. Uh,
0: <laughs> especially with that. his <laughs> job. <laughs> he's such a, a strong advocate of digital health as well, and that's yeah. exactly what he's trying to do. Yeah. But he just, it
3: just went he, it wasn't Yeah, wrong. he just, he just didn't, he just d- didn't understand history. it really, did he? No.
1: Um, mind you, social media is its a dangerous thing, isn't it? It, it can explode. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: And
2: at the same time, he's not actually. Wasn't discussing staffing levels, was he? He no. was actually just. He was just talking, talking about, talking the, tech. about the, the tech. Yeah.
0: Right. yeah. It, was a, um, <coughs> it was quite a funny one though when he was talking about um, the NHS going paperless. He said. I've made big, bold statements about it. I perhaps rather bravely said I wanted the NHS to be paperless by 2018, in my first few months as health secretary, and I am quite relieved that most people seem to have forgotten that I made that promise.
3: <laughs> we didn't. We, did. no, we, didn't <laughs> forget. we didn't forget Jeremy. Well, now nobody has forgotten because he's reminded it's everyone. Yeah.
2: yeah. yeah. And uh, he also said all GP... Was it, did he actually say this, this, actually? i just better check. GPs should have all. They should all have Wi-Fi by the end of 2017. Was that here? Um, that, that, that was NHS Digital, NHS I think. Digital, right.
0: And I think it's just been an update on that. Has it? And I think I think most of them do. I was reading, but we've sent out a request to NHS Digital to try and find out that information.
2: Yeah, mm. that'd be interesting.
0: Hopefully, it will be. And then hmm. after that, it will be moved on to hospitals.
2: Okay. Mm. Right. Okay, right. So I'm going to talk about plastic waste, um, and obviously it's in the news a lot at the moment, and we've sort of seen the pictures on Blue Planet 2 of the chick that had the you know, regurgitated plastic bag. Um, but there was a really interesting article this week in Spectator, and... The current climate, we've seen, we're hearing things about Iceland are going to phase out plastic packaging. Mm -hmm. Microbeads have been banned. We're talking about things about, you know, your coffee cup, the latte levy. And we're seeing water filling stations in in lots of cities. But in The Spectator, they're asking whether um, the alternatives to these, to, to remedy the plastic situation, might actually be making things worse. So we've seen, I don't know if you've seen him, Michael Gove this week with his bamboo, we've all got bamboo coffee cups, are reusable. Um, there's an issue with that, because um, bamboo's been over harvested in China, so that's gonna cause problems. In mm-hmm. the increased use of bioplastics, saying at the moment it's okay, because it's only the middle class that are interested in bioplastic and it's being used for packaging. <laughs> but once we all start getting an interest in that, and once it could start to be used on a wider scale, then um, land issues again are going to mm. be part of the problem. So that's that's plastic on the on the wider scale. So if we come back to what we do and we think about packaging for pharma and medical devices and implants, what can we do? Because you can only use a lot of these things once mm-hmm. yeah and um, because mm-hmm. of that you've got more packaging it's got to be really tough packaging for drugs hasn't it it's got to be tamper proof mm-hmm. transport it's got to keep things sterile temperatures okay. yeah mm-hmm. so <clears throat> there's a lot of issues here and uh, you know I don't know what the answer is I don't know how you make medical plastics part of that circular economy mm-hmm. if you can mm. I don't know. There
3: was talk about them going back to... um, So, uh, instead of using tablets in the blister packs, going back to, like, the the bottles, isn't it? Oh, yes, Mm. yeah. Which they still do in America, I believe. Mm. Uh, Like, if you go to a pharmacy, you get, like, painkillers in a a bottle rather than in the blister packs that we get, which would, I suppose, cut down. Yeah, you don't see that so much
2: here, do you, actually? No. No. I think, as well, in the States, there is a a movement as well to reprocess devices, which we don't have here. But, obviously... You can't reprocess every device, mm-hmm. no. and I have some figures um, that looked that <coughs> came from um, the from anesthesiology news, which compared the cost of reprocessing um, a device against single use in a year, and the the difference was about two thousand um, dollars for reprocessing a, <coughs> the um, whole set of devices yeah. across that amount of time. Plus, then you've got to take into account somebody's time to do that and
3: And you certainly don't want to have the case that we had recently that was written up in the news not the catheter it was um, Which one was that? Oh where God. we reuse the device on um, <laughs> multiple yes, patients. Yeah, the g- anal cap- <laughs> it wasn't even a single patient. Yeah, it was, yeah, it yeah, yeah, cap- it was yeah. a surgeon
0: in the US was
3: yeah yeah
0: reusing several it times. Don't want that. It wasn't like, just one. No, it wasn't. It was like what was it? Five devices between eighty people or something 80, like that. Was
3: 80,
2: that was
0: it.
1: Eighty. Yeah. yeah. It's obviously, big into the uh, circular economy. Yeah, <laughs> I feel <laughs> like, bad for the staff who had to wash them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I take your point though. It's the reuse of. Devices in America, um, single-use mm, devices, yeah. or yeah. rather reprocessing, reprocessing yeah. devices. It will only take one horror story for that to be knocked yeah. on the head. Yeah. Mm. Um,
3: Particularly in the US as well, where there's quite a strong, you know, uh, suing kind yeah, of culture. Yeah. Absolutely,
1: yeah, you know? yeah, accountability. Yeah, yeah.
2: So it's a big issue, isn't it? And I don't know if there's an answer to it. I don't know whether, like, generally you can look at recycling and say we need. Better collection points. We could offer people incentives to bring things back. But with medical plastics and pharma packaging, it's a different.
0: Medical waste hasn't had that strong of a recycling push either, has it? Until no, last year. some of it you can't really well, recycle. For this reason. Yeah, yeah, you
2: know, some of it's contaminated, yeah. so therefore you you can't really because it's a it? biohazardous yeah. waste isn't it yeah and then we've had the big movement to replace metal implants with plastic so again that just increases the problem
1: mm.
2: um, over time
1: it's a lot of waste so when you think yeah. of what's produced from medical packaging there's a lot of um, a lot of waste that comes out of hospitals I've got a choice for you guys with mine for this week Um, so I'm going to give you my headlines. I've named them both and you can pick uh, which one you want to hear. So the first one is 2018 MedTech predictions. I'm calling that one and the second one
2: (laughs) did that take you a long time to come up with that yes that's good isn't it it's very good very topical as well (laughs) do
1: you know I've been thinking about a career in journalism really no (laughs) (laughs) I'd give it a wide berth yeah (laughs) (laughs) um the second one is called the, the beetle with the big penis so which would you like to hear which is it, George Ringle? or? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've
2: got a joke, what I don't say. Go on. No, <laughs> no, we can always cut rude. it
0: out. It's no, I'll <laughs> <laughs> it's
2: all right. Go on. I okay.
1: So, um, I'll go predictions. You want predictions? Yeah. You're going sensible. Beetle penis will have to wait oh, for. Oh, I was going to go for that. Well, you oh, want yeah. beetle I penis? I've already said one. Yes, yeah, that's one. not very democratic. No, <laughs> no, is it? <laughs> Just what do you want to do? <laughs>
0: Well, so we're have to go with the big Break or, the tie. Oh, you oh, go yeah. on for
1: the yeah. B Okay. This was a story that I stumbled across. Um, and Can I, you
2: replace the word penis with as many different words throughout the... Uh,
1: there is a good word for it. The, the it? scientists involved in this use the word flagellum. Flagellum. And it sounds good. No, it? What do you want me to replace the word penis with?
2: Different words, There's as many as you can come up with in...
1: <laughs> Phallic stuff. Phallic stuff. Sounds <laughs> like something from Lord of the Rings. <laughs>
0: yeah. A fan fiction you can find online.
1: Okay. <laughs> this is not your time to plug your own Sorry. Come on. <laughs> hobby. Hobby. Um, okay, the Beatles penis story. Uh, I read this the first week back after Christmas and I wrote a short piece on it. Um... Basically, some scientists in Germany were studying how the male thistle tortoise beetle reproduces. And we're looking at a picture of it, <laughs> but if you're listening to the podcast, um, the, the beetle, this is one of those... looks like that,
2: a chocolate line.
1: It looks like, yeah, <laughs> it looks like a scarab beetle, but it's, <laughs> it's green. But it does look like a chocolate line. Um, the reason I wanted to study its reproduction is because it has such a large penis... The penis, are they is that, sure. What are they comparing? <laughs> <laughs> it
2: doesn't bode well for that.
1: There's. I should say this all links into medical devices. I'm not just okay. interested in the insect world, but, um, but it has such a large penis that it's actually longer than its own body.
3: But certain mollusks. Some mollusks are the same, aren't they? Are they? Yeah.
1: Mollusks.
3: I don't know.
0: (laughs) 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 Just like that down for (laughs) me. It's my next article.
2: (laughs) Well, don't tell these researchers. They'll be.
1: (laughs) Its penis is so long, and to make matters (laughs) worse, so long. The female, her reproductive organ, is in the shape of a very tightly spiraled coil. So. What the oh. researchers in That's Germany? Painful. Yeah, exactly. What they wanted to know was how does the male penis not snap under the pressure of having to be so long <laughs> and oh. having to coil itself around this particularly tight sort of pathway? Can we have the bed
3: tech predictions, please?
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay.
2: So why does it not snap? well it wouldn't wouldn't snap? Would so, it?
1: Well, it, they it's not say. Like a sticker, <it>? They say that it doesn't snap because they found that this penis has variances in stiffness. <laughs> 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 What's new? <laughs> and by bending the flagellum at different points, researchers were able to identify that while the base was stiff, it grew more flexible towards the other end. The tip itself was even found to be rubbery. Okay.
2: LAUGHTER Okay. Just a minute! What's fascinating <laughs> me about this is that they've done this to that beetle. They were. It was dead. Oh.
1: How do they worse. make
2: it do that then? If
3: it's dead.
1: Um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It has they to just
3: do some sort of electrical stimulus. Maybe some description. I would imagine. Or maybe it
1: died fully erect. I don't know. <laughs> I don't well, know. It was dead. <laughs> it wouldn't have stayed that way. <laughs> Yeah, rigor mortis, yeah, Yeah. it could be.
2: They gave it something to watch and then... (laughs) (laughs) It killed it. Killed (laughs) it. Started bending it.
1: (laughs) The reason why I was reading this story is because um, the scientists also drew... as This happens quite a lot, as you know, in medtech. They drew a correlation between the natural world and medical device design. Mm. And um, what they were saying was that this problem that the beetle has of... Inserting the penis is similar to a problem that can be encountered by surgeons when they're inserting catheters because. <laughs> okay. what, a, what a link! <laughs> Thank you. I was just remembering. You're remembering the anal, the anal catheter. <laughs> catheter, yeah. Yeah, well, it does tie in quite nicely. Um
2: oh, <laughs> or not, as the case maybe if you're a uh...
1: beetle. You <laughs> What they were saying was that um, catheters can become damaged, they can actually buckle or break because of the difficult locations that Mm. they have to uh, serve, so when they're being inserted they can actually become damaged, they can also cause pain, they can cause infections to the patient, all sorts of problems, and what they were saying was that by studying the design of this beetle's penis, they could actually create something that mimics that in the catheter.
2: Okay. Do they know what they How are they making it? They're making it out of a polymer. It will
1: be a, it will be a polymer, <laughs> okay. or, or i guess some kind of silicon or something. Mm,
2: okay, so that would be interesting to properties. see how that...
0: So would it be a device that has varying levels of stiffness?
1: Yeah, and a rubbery tip. <laughs> well, maybe they Sorry, could. Rubber. Well, they could. It's longer than the patient. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah. I mean, there are, some, there are some polymers out there that could, uh, <coughs> you know, would have functional groups attached to them that would be able to... They could make them... Completely flexible, but then put an electrical sim- like, um, current through it, and it mm. could yeah. change its property. Mm-hmm. So it could be something like that. You'll it'd be interesting it, yeah. to see what they what they do use for the material.
1: So that was my that was my fun. So
3: I think
2: this just <laughs> invented a catheter that uh, has an electric current. It. <laughs> yeah, it's
3: probably not the best idea. <laughs> Obviously, well, a catheter. <laughs>
1: Uh, But
3: again, then we get back to the plastics. It'd have to be insulated in
2: plastic.
1: (laughs) Well, Um, there you go. You asked. Right.
2: And then can we just have one tip for next year, this year, rather?
1: Um, This was from Deloitte. I spoke to Karen Taylor at Deloitte. She is the director at the Centre for Health Solutions at Deloitte. And um, she gave me six predictions for 2018. Would anybody like to take a guess as to one of them?
2: Um, You're looking
1: at the paper, so...
2: I can't see it from this distance, okay. but I'm going to say something will be slightly digital or yeah, um, or, of, AI.
1: Yeah, AI, and <laughs> in fact, AI and blockchain are grouped together oh, as well. Blockchain. 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 Yeah. This, um, yes, but in relation specifically to data protection, oh. uh, yeah, data GDPR. Security. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Uh, actually, the, she didn't mention GDPR when I spoke to her, but. Um, she 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 meant data security okay. um, in hospitals and how blockchain mm. could be the the answer to yeah. or one of the answers to. Um,
2: we like blockchain.
1: We do like blockchain. None of <coughs> us can really explain it very well, but <laughs> <laughs> we'll get in there. Yeah, we're we'll getting. Tune in yeah. Yeah. next year when we're up in England. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. When it's no longer the buzzword. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> 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 Trying to think, what was it before blockchain? Um, Bitcoin. Well, no, well, Bitcoin, Bitcoin used the blockchain. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> What was the thing that we could never understand for like three years and then it just clicked. Oh, what do you mean, here yeah so... You've been here longer than well, a Well, yeah. I
2: don't know.
1: No, I don't know. There was something that two or three years ago that was... Flagellum. It was flagellum. <laughs> <laughs> it was beetle flagellum. we never get our heads around it. <laughs> God, we have to cut that out. <laughs> All right, so blockchain is one of the predictions. Mm -hmm. I also liked the fact that um, Karen um, from Deloitte wrote this. And one of the things that she predicted was um, liquid biopsies and point of care diagnostics. And literally a week after I published the article, which is coming out of the next issue of MedTech Innovation, um, the week after... Uh, the national press all reported that a blood test has been developed that can detect several types of of cancer cancer yeah Um, and so it's almost perfect timing this um, predictions piece that Deloitte uh, worked with me on and um, she turned out to be absolutely right the first big healthcare story of 2018 was um, the blood test for cancer but yeah liquid biopsies watch this space with liquid biopsies they they really think that in the next, over the next 12 months you'll see a lot more stories along the lines of um, blood tests that identify tumours or mm. risks of tumours. All I think using DNA and genetics yeah. Yeah. as well as protein mm. analysis, that kind of thing.
3: Yeah,
0: yeah it's interesting. Mm. And Fliss, what have you got?
3: Um, so mine is a very topical issue at the moment. Um, so it's been reported today um, that the government is launching an investigation into um, the problem of addiction to prescription drugs. So we've seen this in the US yeah. a lot, opioids mm-hmm. being massive, big problems. It's also come out, um, The Guardian reported today, um, which happened New York City yesterday, um, went and sued the makers of prescription painkillers. Um, which is quite interesting. So they're yeah. actually suing um, companies. Uh, it's going to be um, led by Purdue Pharma, who created the original brand of um, these slow-released uh, narcotics um, called OxyContin, which obviously are US. Okay, yeah. <coughs> but they're also going to be including other companies. Um, Johnson & Johnson are in there um, that make opioids, for example, um, Teva, Alagam. Another one, um, other painkiller uh, producers like Cephalon, and things like that. And apparently, in the Guardian story, it actually says um, Prince and Tom Petty had um, a prescription painkiller in their system. Yeah, fentanyl wasn't it? Fentanyl. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it'd be interesting to see what comes out of it. Um, apparently, in the in the UK, one in eleven patients treated by the NHS have been given a drug that can induce dependency. Aren't they saying now in the States that there's a
2: generation that won't live as long as its parents because of this? Really? I
3: think so.
0: Well, the the US's life expectancy has just started to go down for the first time in so many years. I don't know if it's directly called this, but...
3: I I think there is a link to this. It would make sense. Yeah, it would make sense. And they're so easy to access as well. You can access them online. You know, people are selling Mm -hmm. them online as well. Mm -hmm. So it's not necessarily things that people are getting prescribed by the doctor. There was a, a new story... Not that long ago, about somebody who was taking tramadol, and they had got so addicted to it, they were taking massive amounts in a day, and they bought it all online. Yeah. And it's it's madness that you can access this online. Um, but another story that I covered um, a couple of days ago is um, the University of Warwick uh, is starting a trial that are looking at getting people off long term painkillers. Um, and okay. so that'd be quite interesting to see how that progresses. Um what they're doing is actually looking at two treatments. So the existing GP care, in addition to a self-help booklet and relaxation CD, or GP care um, plus a specifically designed group and one-to-one support programme. So they're looking at that kind of support network rather Mm than using the prescription drugs, Mm -hmm. which seems like a a logical, common-sense thing, but I suppose it's a case of where are the resources in the Mm -hmm. NHS, Mm -hmm. particularly as Jeremy Hunt unfortunately pointed out in his um recent twitter post yeah yeah stuff <laughs> yeah. well we had this on uh this
2: something from MPN actually it's a polymer mesh which is they're saying could be the answer to the opioid epidemic um i think you did this didn't you reese mm-hmm. yeah was it, it earlier this week yeah it's a uh obviously a mesh that you implant in the body and it releases uh the drug it's a non-opioid drug though isn't it yeah Mm -hmm. over across three to four days and they're saying that could be a um, an alternative Mm -hmm. to those types of products
3: yeah because i don't know if anybody else i mean i have taken uh, tramadol for short-term pain relief when i when i broke my wrist and you can definitely tell it's Mm. you know there's it be quite easy to get addicted to it I think it is quite a
2: it'd be a interesting to know how long that strong takes drug and then where those people
3: go after that if they go back to get another well it would be different per or, person as yeah. well because obviously everybody would have a different yeah um, rate of addiction mm. I would imagine
0: well I think in that mesh story there's a there's a, a figure for how many opioid addicts then no. move on to heroin by 4% I think
3: well yeah,
2: uh, yeah. Four to six percent of those who misuse opioids transition to heroin. So it says uh sort of up to about thirty percent of patients who are prescribed opioids for chronic pain misuse them. It's quite a large amount. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: that'll
2: be interesting to see what happens
3: then yeah. with that mesh. Yeah, well that mesh and, and um trial looking at the uh the different treatment um methods and, and it'll be interesting to see what comes out of this investigation as well. Yeah. Hmm.
0: Thanks for tuning into the MedTalk podcast. Join us next time to hear from the worlds of pharma, digital health, medical plastics, and all of life sciences. Thanks.